This is BVK for Ocean City Tourism, OCMD Streaming Audio. On March 11th, 2024, the title of the spot is STSA Leisure Summer. This is a 30-second composite stereo streaming audio mix. Get away with friends to the laid-back Maryland coast, where you can catch up while casting off and hang 10 while hanging out, where a day on board is never boring and full throttle is half the fun, where you can sink a putt, raise a glass, and there's always room for one more round. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at oceocean.com. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Kelly Richardson Lawson. I'm a mother, a wife, and an entrepreneur. I started the Sunrise Project after our beautiful teenage son attempted to take his own life. My husband and I felt despair, isolation, and immeasurable pain. I knew in my heart we needed a place for Black parents to share their struggles, find mutual support, and help our beloved children who struggle with mental wellness, addiction, or both. Each weekly podcast features an expert who shares their knowledge and takes questions from parents and children. Take me to the king. I don't have much to the Sunrise Project allows Black families, like ours, to find comfort in knowing that we are not alone. While the purpose of the Sunrise Project is to share, support, and uplift, this conversation is not a substitute for medical advice. Finding the right healthcare professional for your family's specific needs is crucial. If you do not feel seen or heard, you should speak to more than one professional to find the right fit. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our weekly Sunrise Project call. Uh, Once again, as always, we are here to find a moment of solace and peace while we learn and build and grow with one another in a safe space filled with love, compassion, and a mutual desire to heal ourselves, our children, and our families. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. We have back with us my husband and father, Keith Lawson. We are lucky to have him here. He is an amazing, amazing father. um, And he is here to share his journey and his story of being the father of two Black sons, two incredible sons, um, and how he has learned to really embody and live that serenity prayer that I say every Sunday. Keith is a proud Baltimore native. He's a graduate of the University of Maryland, and he's a 30-plus year veteran of BET Networks and the music industry. Uh, We met in 1999. We were both at BET. Uh, We've been together ever since. And what I want to just share is that Keith is an incredible father and is the opposite of what media would have us believe to be true. 
about Black men and Black fathers. So I am super happy and grateful for you and for you being here with us today. And please share whatever you'd like to share this day in terms of life as a serenity prayer and how you have pivoted from accepting and changing yourself versus trying to change um, our sons. So thank you for being here. Awesome. Thank you for that wonderful intro. The subject today, Life as a Serenity Prayer, is a great title. Learning that we can do what we can do as parents and as fathers. Um, certain things, um, no matter how hard we try to control, we're not in control of. And we definitely need the strength to be able to understand which things we are in control of, which things God's in control of, and then what we can do in the midst of all of this. So one of the things that I see here is a really nice mug that my wife and kids gave me that says, life doesn't come with an instruction book. And that's why we have fathers. Uh, I don't know about the second part, but you know, we're here. The life doesn't come with an instruction book part though is, is, is so, so true. It's just, we do what we think is the best thing that we can do for our, for our family and for our kids. And, um, you know, we don't know what things are going to come up. We don't know how um, this journey, this journey that we are on and, you know, these things that we deal with as, as parents affect the rest, you know, of our family. So you may have one, one child that's, you know, visibly struggling, but you don't know how it's affecting the rest of the family, like the impact on it, because nobody goes through this alone. Okay, so, you know, we are concerned that, you know, our, our younger one is not really uh, finding an outlet to have his voice heard and is going, starting to go through things that we are concerned about and worried that is, is a direct result of what we've been dealing with. But let me, let me back up this story to me, why, why am I having this conversation and why are we, why are we here today? As Kelly mentioned, I am uh, from Baltimore. I am, you know, one of five siblings. I have two older sisters, an older brother and a younger sister. My experience as a child growing up in, in uh, Baltimore is for the most part, one of, you know, a statistical regularity, which is growing up in a black household with just a single parent being mother, being raised by mother, mother raising five kids on her own. You know, as I, as I was thinking about fathers, one of the things that I remember about my dad when I was growing up in, in the brief time that we were together, because my, my parents had a, let's say, troubled time with kids and family and the marriage thing and all of that. My dad was difficult and frustrated. And as I, I come to find later, um, feeling a bit overwhelmed with the whole family thing. He, he had his eyes on a dream that didn't come true. And then he tried to do what he, what he thought was the best thing to do, which is I'm just going to shut it down and do what I need to do for my family. That in turn turned into some um, regret and, and tense moments of him feeling, um, you know, resentful of, of what he had to deal with as, as a father, as opposed to being out on the road as a musician, he was close to having a big music deal or whatever, and um, ended up having to stay home and raise um, his first child, my older brother. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The point of all of that is, as we ended up in a situation where it, it got to be a struggle, where he, he got to be, you know, let's say abusive, he's um, an alcoholic. And my experience as a, as a son in a house with an alcoholic father who was resentful of his life and, and whatever was that we'd spend most of our, our time with mom. And when he came home, we'd all try to quickly retreat to our rooms so that we didn't have to end up in a any situations of, you know, stress or drama. What that at an early age did for me was um, start my thinking of what a ideal parenting family situation was, I'm air quoting right now, supposed to look like. So for me, one day after my dad came in from uh, work in his normal, you know, Friday night, it was a Friday night coming home. And after Friday, he would go out and drinking with his friends. And he'd come home and lean on the bell. He had a key, but he would just lean on the bell, which meant he was in that mood. So somebody had to go open the door. So came in, leaned on the bell. We all retreated to our rooms quickly to act like we were sleeping so that we didn't have to be a part of this conversation or whatever mood he was in. And this day he thought he wanted to, you know, he wanted to fight actually. So he came in mad that his dinner wasn't however it was and, you know, yelling around and throwing things. And my, my older brother, being the older brother and feeling like he needed to, you know, be the protector of the family, you know, came out and got in the middle of it and ended up getting, you know, hit. So my father smacked him or something. That, that was the last straw for us. He went to work the next day. When he came home, we had moved. Mom's like, all right, we're out. From that moment on, it became a, a story of my mother being mother and father trying to raise all these kids that she had at the time she was it was just a four of us my younger sister had not been born so she was born later but it ended up being um shortly thereafter my mom the four of us and you know five counting being pregnant and trying to survive through all of that and all of that for me became when i get married if i ever have a family what what is not going to happen is there's not going to be a a 20 year plus um, year later conversation of any of my kids saying, well, my dad wasn't around. My dad didn't, didn't provide. My dad didn't set an example. My dad was not involved in my life because, you know, as much as I've gone through my life, most of my bigger accomplishments, my dad was not around to see or be a part of. So with this life doesn't come with an instruction book, note here. So you can do whatever you want to do. You can you can be there. You can set examples and all this, but you're still, as the serenity prayer um, sort of says, not necessarily in control of the outcome. So I pursued that with with a passion, thinking I'm going to create create the absolute ideal situation in a household with a family, wife, kids, or whatever, and everything's going to be perfect because of that. Because I'm doing everything right. I'm going to you know, finish, finish high school, go to college, get a good job. I didn't, I didn't drink or smoke or any of those things going through high school and college, you know, I'll, I'll drink socially now a little, but 
you know, in terms of the family, it's like my kids never saw me with a beer or drinking or drunk or any of the things that I saw on a regular basis of my dad coming home drunk, actually, you know, would, would say, hey, you want to try this? He would, you know, offer us a beer when we were, I had to be five. And I'm like, oh, no, that that doesn't taste like anything I, I would ever want. So, you know, I, I started off on the exact extreme opposite of never drink, never smoke, never whatever, never, never let them see you sweat, just get through all of this, like step over, you know, whatever situation is there, because I had a very clear vision of what I thought life was supposed to be. And fast forward into um, adulthood and, you know, starting a family, you don't know what outside environments, what physical, psychological, or whatever um, challenges you, you may have. And you, you like myself and especially my wife, um, who likes things in order. She likes order. She likes things to happen in the way that are, I always say, um, don't, don't use the N word. In our house, the N word is normal. Um, you keep, you know, folks want to say, this is what normally happens. This is what's supposed to happen. The supposed to and normals are what, you know, often put you in a space where you feel like, you know, something is, you know, failing. And I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But through all of my story and through everything that I've gone through, it, it you know, I thought that the formula was show up, be present, set good examples, don't do any things that, that you don't want your kids to do. And for, you know, for a while, that seemed like it was working until we got into um, probably freshman year of high school with my older son. And we started to notice some changes in what was happening, because prior to that, we had you know, basically two straight A students who were, you know, elite athletes. Kyle at 14 was being invited to the Olympic Training Center for um, swimming um, and, and on a watch list. So we said, this is, this is the path. We're doing well. We got our household, the kids in school, you know, they're, they're excelling. They're excelling in their extracurricular things. But through all that, and, you know, and again, us being there every step of the way, especially me going to basketball games. I actually coached their basketball teams and he was on the sideline for all the meets and all the practices of Kelly and I up four o'clock in the morning, driving in the swim practice. And when they played, um, they played football for a while and taking them to football and being part of the parent groups and support groups and getting them coaches when they needed them. And, and when they wanted to go to sports camps, going to sports camps and all the things that I didn't have, especially with my father, like my mom tried to do what she could do. But, you know, part of it was financial, part of it was just an inability being mom, not dad, to, to, um, to show some of those examples. So for me, my examples were all people in the neighborhood. And for the most part, the people in the neighborhood weren't people that I wanted to aspire to be like. Um, so the people in the neighborhood actually were reverse um, father images for me. So the people in the neighborhood were, you know, um, Daryl the wino and, you know, the, the, the drug dealers and, and so forth that lived in my neighborhood that I stepped over every day to get to school. So for me, it was always like, oh, here are all the things that I will never be like and I will never see in my life again from the moment I leave this neighborhood and go to school. So, you know, for me, being a, being a father and trying to figure all of this out, I figured, I thought we did it all right, right? And I'm sure a lot of people on this phone can attest to, like, what did, I, what did I do wrong? And I didn't do anything to deserve this. And, you know, what I'll say from my experience is 
for the most part, that is probably true. You're probably right. Like, no, you don't deserve it. No, this is not necessarily a, a result of anything that you've done. But that said, you know, again, one, life doesn't come with an instruction book. And two, there are certain things that we are just unable to control. So what we able, what we have to do then is try to figure out how we show up in the midst of, of all the crazy. It started with a lot of like, what did we do wrong? What, what, where, why, why is this happening to us? And how can we control us? If your personality is, sorry, Kelly, but I'll use Kelly as an example. If your personality is like Kelly's, which is, I need life to happen on my terms. I have a calendar. It's color coded. This is the way the day is supposed to go and brought and stretching out a little further. This is how this week is supposed to go. This is where you're supposed to show up in, in life in a certain way. This is how high school is supposed to be. You're supposed to go to school, do your work, join some clubs, excel. You have resources. You're, you know, basically, you know, a, a tick below genius level intelligence. None of this should be hard. There shouldn't be any struggle. You're supposed to come home with your grades. You're supposed to do what we are expecting as, you know, there's a cultural thing with, you know, at the risk of, you know, alienating anybody on the call, but there's a cultural thing with Black families and parents of, there's certain things you don't do in the Black household, let's just say that, right? Some of the stuff that comes with um, being um, reasonably successful um, is that you end up in different environments and different scenarios than what we had. Like our parents, we, we had the be home before the lights come on and certain ways you would never think to talk to your parents that were not part of our community, but also what was not part of our community, which is something that sort of happened over time is that, you know, we grew up in a spare the rod, spoil the child sort of mentality of old school, like, you, you know, you, you get spankings and all those things. Well, obviously that's not politically acceptable these days. And you know, the examples that we had as parents were like, you would never, I wish I would say something like, I, my, I say something to you, my mother, say something back. I, you know, if I had something to say, it had better been like under my breath, under my breath, mumbling as I went to my room, moving in the other direction. It definitely wouldn't have been directly to, to my mom's face, like, no, I'm not going to do that. For example, what we started to deal with, um, with the older one is, no, you can't go out. But why? Because it's X, Y, Z, it's 10 o'clock, it's a weekday, we don't want you going out, go to your room. And then he just goes anyway. Like, what? What is that? Like, that is, in a Black family, that would have, my, even my mom, who was, you know, small, would have snatched me up just as quick. I tried to just not do what, what, what my parents told me. Oh, my God. That would be just so, that, I mean, I can't even imagine, unless I was ready to move out at that minute, at that very moment, you know, with a, probably a, uh, um, lump on my head from the frying pan she would have hit me with but you know trying to approach this thing differently you know as as culture and life has changed and things are politically acceptable or not acceptable um, and trying to do this in a certain way because you know we we have sort of taken to the this is already a change for us to start with is trying to treat them as people and not just kids like I'm going to treat you give you a certain level of respect treat you as a as a person, allow you to say what you need to say, obviously not in a disrespectful way, but allow you to get your thoughts out and then still parent, you know? And it's it's been really hard, again, um, to, especially when with young men, because you know, young men, especially young, you know, young black boys at a certain point, they start feeling themselves and they want to puff up. And my uh, 
my Baltimore reaction would have been snatch somebody up in the chest and be like, I know, I know. And, and this is funny. I, I, this is one of the things I was going to say. As I was looking at what I was going to do today, I had a list of quotes that I did from my last talk. And one of them was, and I call these, these are chapters for the book that I will eventually write. One of the titles was, Boy, Have You Lost Your Mind? There are many days that that one has popped out. And what that becomes is a struggle between me and my older, my, uh, my Baltimore shelf going, do not let Baltimore Heath out. Please don't do it. Just don't do it. Because the one time that happened, which is one of the stories I'll tell you before I start to you know, sort of get some perspective, because I want to hear from some of you guys, is after a certain point of doing everything you think that you can do correctly and still seeing it go in a way that you don't, didn't plan on or are not in control of, you know, when you start to think, well, maybe I go back to the other way. My child somewhere about maybe it's two years ago. I mean, Kelly can correct me for exact dates, but in his experience, as, as we say, going to high school and starting down this path that we didn't, you know, that has sort of put us into this story, which is how we ended up even ideating and creating this, this space that we in, this, this safe space to, for us to talk is we started this high school thing and he started going left, hanging out with people that we didn't you know, know and, and so forth and starting to get into some things and we started noticing some habits and we did everything the you know, middle-class society thing suggests, hey, you need to, you need to have an intervention, go to, go to counseling, do family counseling, try this, talk to them, do all these things. Don't, you know, you can't spank your kids. You can't, you know, all those things. We're, we're trying to follow that. Well, it got to a point where we got a call. Um, Kelly was out. Uh, I can't remember if she was out of town or whatever. I get a call from his school and, you know, he's just into 10th grade. The principal calls me because they have my son in, in the office because they caught him in the bathroom vaping, which is an awful thing that, you know, I know a lot of us and, you know, these teenagers are, are doing some stuff and it's awful. And again, for me, it's, it's such a slap in the face of I've spent so many years as a father trying not to ever do anything from an example of it's not about what you tell them it's about what you show them so me never showing you i don't smoke definitely don't smoke weed don't drink in front of you hadn't drank you know literally didn't drink at all if you saw me with a beer everybody in the room would stop and go what the what's keep doing with a beer to the point where when i go out with my friends if i went to a bar Everybody wanted to ride with me and we would go to a bar and they would order me milk because that's, you know, that's what guys do. Like, yeah, we'll have, we'll have Hennessy and Coke and, and this girl will have a big, will have a milk. That's, that's the example I was showing him. Like you can be part of everything. You can still, you know, be active in life and have friends or whatever and still be, choose what activities that you, you know, want to be involved in. All of that. And he often over his years before, you know, teenager, um, saying, using it as a, as a, almost a, a, a weapon to taunt um, folks with this. Yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't do that. I'm my, I'm going to be like my dad. I wouldn't drink. I wouldn't smoke. And then we ended up at this, this space where I'm getting a call from the school of him baby. Every Stearns and Foster mattress is handcrafted with the finest materials for irresistible comfort every single night. Now save up to $800 on select adjustable mattress sets only at stearnsandfoster.com. Lesser savings may apply. I go in, talk to, luckily, the security guy was a black guy. The, the assistant principal was a black guy. He was with two other, he was with two other kids who were, you know, not 
not black, but the community in the school of you know African Americans is so small that they they're trying to you know help us all succeed. They're like, look, don't be a statistic here. It's only ten black people here. You can't be that guy. So we had that conversation. We sat in the office with security. So they ended up suspending him. We come home, you know, for a couple of days. We come home and literally within, you know, an hour of him getting home and, you know, I'm waiting to have the big talk. I had part of it on the way home, the disappointment. I can't believe this, blah, blah, blah. I get home and this boy is thinking he's going to bounce out thinking the suspension was a reason for him to get out and, and go hang with his friends, the same ones that he just got in trouble with. And what did that, what that ended up happening? turning into is he's trying to leave because he's gotten these friends that Kelly and I have sort of nicknamed jump out boys who will just show up in the car in front of the house and just in 10 seconds he'll just zoom past you and jump in the car and you know disappear before you can you know sort of tell them not to go or chase him or whatever this turns into he's trying to get out of the house and I'm so like I'm so over it at this moment and what he doesn't realize is I'm struggling with every ounce of my being not to just totally lose it and, and go straight Baltimore Keith here. And I'm going, I don't, you know, I don't believe you're really trying to get out of here and go. Like, what is it that's going on? Is this, a, you know, I'm trying to use all of the all of the tools and techniques that I've gotten from therapy and, you know, thinking about what addiction looks like and using my experience from Baltimore of, of how I understand that, you know, um, certain times when folks have an inability to deal with impulses and, and addiction that it's not the person you're talking to at that time. In that moment, you're actually dealing with the actual thing. So I'm actually talking to addiction. I'm not talking to the monster addiction, whatever that is, if it's vaping. And at this point, it had gotten to weed and we were worried that it was something else. He's trying to leave the house. He just got suspended. In my household, I'd have been punished for the rest of my life. I'm like, I imagine I couldn't get a a C without being, you know, punished and, and having a long conversation about what is this? This this young man has just gotten suspended. I'm like, suspended? Out of Walt Whitman High School in Bethesda, Maryland? Are you crazy? Boy, have you lost your mind. And he's trying to go out. And in fact, he was gonna, he's gonna just walk past me and go out. And it became a thing where he just he literally reached out and put his hands on my chest. And I looked at him. And my, and my soul just stepped out of my body and said, kill this fool. And my Bethesda self was like, do not do it. Do not do it. Do not do it. So at this time, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go talk to your friend. Like, I'm going to his house. I'm going to, I'm not, I'm going to talk to his parents because clearly there must not be a parent that's, that's aware that their child is popping out of school, smoking and vaping for the person that asks is, Yes, there is, there is vaping of alcohols also, they, folks also do, and I throw this in a whole category together because they, they use that um, synthetic weed as well in liquids. So it could be tech, tobacco in it, it could be weed in it, it could be who knows. And as we know right now, just like with smoking, you really find out like 10 years later what, what real side effects come from these things. They don't, they don't know what this stuff's gonna do to you. You've seen the commercials where they talk about the various metals that are in vaping and all this. So that's the sidebar um, informational piece. So this child has literally put his hands on me, which, you know, black people, <laughs> um, Baltimore people, uh, anybody that grew up in the ghetto with a, with a mother or with an African-American mother or anybody culturally, 
that understands where I'm coming from here. That's a deficit. My, my, I would have been picking up my teeth from the floor. I, I, I can't imagine if I would ever try to put, literally put my hands on my parents. We actually almost had up a fight. And in that moment, I said, I will never, ever raise my hands to, to you know, put my hand on a child. And again, and again, in this instance, it was me trying to restrain him, him trying to, to get out of here. And I was like, I can't believe this is really happening. Like, what, where am I? I'm in Twilight Zone right now. What I, what I realized is, okay, here's, here's the crossroads where I'm at. Like, this thing has gotten to a point where all of the experiences, all of my life experiences, all the experiences with him, all of, my, all of my church, all of my counseling is giving me an opportunity here to make a decision. Like, my decision in that moment was, what legacy do I want to have here? Like, do I want to have a child that I say, I, you know, do I love my child more than I am determined to change who he is right now and what he and you know, how he's appearing and showing up in his life right now? And if, if I do love my child more than I am determined to try to control him, then how do I, how do I walk this path where I am not, I'm not condoning anything he's doing. I'm not stepping away from my sort of intentions and the impact I wanted to have in his life. But at the same point, at the same point, I'm not putting myself in a space where I'm so emotionally vulnerable and so raw and angry that it could turn into what this is about to turn into right in this moment. So he actually ended up um, running. He didn't get up. He got up and ran out of the house. He called, you know, Kelly and it was this whole big thing. And Kelly didn't know what's going on. He's, he's hysterical because at this point he's seen in my face, the, the, everything that is built up. And I probably look like a maniac. He was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. My dad is crazy. Now for me growing up in Baltimore, I never ever had to get that far. I had to do is my dad would give me a look Well, my mom is really my mom. Cause you know, my dad was, I was probably five or six. I can't, I mean, I can remember, but I can't really remember. But I remember this little lady, my, my, my mom, looking at me and giving me a look that made me, you know, whatever crazy thought I had at the moment, I'm like, well, well, I ain't gonna do that because she's crazy. I'm just gonna go in my room and mumble. That was the extent of it. I go in my room and most I would slam a door. And I, for any of you that, that, that's had that happen with a kid, when you hear that, I know you're not slamming doors in my house. So, you know, I, the, one of the lessons that I did get from that in growing up is that, you know, with my kids starting to slam doors and lock doors, I'm like, oh, we don't do that. You don't get a locked door. My son had, uh, had a half a summer where he didn't have a door in his room. I went in and just took the door off the hinges and took it and put it in the basement. So I'm like, well, until you, until you learn how to be a person in this house, you won't have a door. You don't pay for anything around here for all of my parents who have had that conversation. So Getting to the serenity prayer thing. So I gave you all that to give you some, some background and a little tidbit. I don't even have to go through the thing. I was going to read some of the entries of some of the, where he's disappeared, where he didn't come back, where, he, where we found, you know, alcohol, empty alcohol bottles in his room or where he's, we found like um, vaping things from him smoking or whatever. Now, in the meantime, we have another son who we're trying to still show up as a family, give him guidance and, and, and love and try not to try not to let this all spill over on him. But like, how do you not, in, you know, in a certain way, let some of it spill over? Because any little thing that happens now, we immediately like, oh, no, I'm not letting this happen again. I remember when, when your brother was, you know, out 10 minutes later than he was supposed to be. And he was off, you know, smoking weed. 
So, you know, so now that now as a younger kid, you're getting it twice as hard. So it's, it's, it's also hard there to try to stay open-minded, stay on your ground, still try to set an example and understand that you are not the sum of your, you're not your environment necessarily. Cause you know, if I use myself as a, as a example, like I grew up and all these things were happening around me and I, I took a different path. My brother, you know, at a certain point, you know, did drugs and all of this, everything else that everybody else in the, in the hood did because same environment, same parents, same situation, but you still have a choice. So what I wonder, you know, as I think about this and, you know, think about my mom, what she had to deal with, if she maybe had some of these thoughts, like, what could I, what, is this my fault? Is this because I am in, in this situation? Is it, is it because of, you know, where, where we, you know, where I've had to, where we've had to live based on, you know, what I was doing to survive and what, how am I affecting my kids? But I see somebody saying what I'm thinking as well. Yes. Nature versus nurture is that same environment, same everything, you still can't control the results. You know, what you can do is show up, what you can do is talk to your kids, what you can do is try to, you know, set an example and all those things. And it still doesn't mean it's going to work. I mean, it's, your, your kids are, are their own people. And especially once you get to a certain age, they're going to be who they're going to be. So at this point now, and part of, you know, one of the reasons that Kelly named this, what she named it is, we are taking this path and we are on this whole journey of how do you continue to love your kids, show up in their lives, but understand that you can't control who and how they react to certain things. All you can do is keep on showing up, keep on setting examples, keep letting them know what your thoughts and how you feel about certain things. But at the same time, just like when you're on a plane, one of the things they say, um, if the plane is to go down, even if you have a small child, what's the thing they say? Put on your mask first, before you can put on theirs. So like, if, you, if you're not taking care of yourself, then you can't really take care of them no matter how much you want to. And, you know, as parents, we know we would do anything for our kids. Like, you know, I was, if it's a, it's a bus coming and, you know, it's gotta hit one of us. I'm like, okay, I've been here longer than you. As long as you wanna take care, you gotta take care of your family because I'm taking this bus, right? But what, what we've really got to, um, and where I've sort of gotten to with him is, and it often, I know it frustrates Kelly sometimes, um, and we have to talk through it, but it's like, you know, sometimes he's gotten to a space where you can stand in front of him and try to block him. And, you know, when he's trying to skate, skate out and do what he's going to do, or you can, you know, let him know how you feel about it. Talk to him as a person, say, listen, I really don't think this, this is not how we, you know, this is not how we want to raise our kids. This is not what I think is good for you. This is, this is how I feel about it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get in front of you and, you know, have a fight with you. I'm not going to do that, but I'm, I'm also not going to allow you to, 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 um, you know, think you can just do whatever you want and, um, and let you think it's all right. It's not all right. I want you to understand that we understand it is not all right, but we also understand that you're going to make decisions that affect your life. And, you know, what we're trying to tell you is you one you, as Kelly's mom says, you can't get the time back. You can't get the time back. And what is really hard as parents. And I, I listen, I, I know you guys are going to feel me on this. It's really hard as parents to let your child fail when you know, he's going to fail by taking a certain action. I'm going to say that again. If you know your child is going to take a certain action and you know what's on the other side of that action and you've told them, you've shown them, you've discussed it with them, whatever, and they still want to take that action. Sometimes you have to let them fail. 
And that's where I've sort of understood that part of my journey has been the struggle of it. I mean, obviously I haven't made these same types of decisions, but just like when you go to the gym, one of the ways that you grow and get bigger and get stronger is you work your muscles until failure. And then you push past that, right? What we've done is a thing that because we've had struggles in our lives and a lot of us as parents in different kinds of ways, you have struggles, but because you have those struggles, you don't want to see this child that you brought into this earth that you love probably more than yourselves. And you don't want them to go through what you want to be like, look, I'm going to show you, I've already done this. You don't need to do this. I'm going to tell you what's on the other side. Don't do it. Right. But the reason that you get to be, you know, the reason that Kelly is a badass executive and, and like, she's just a whirlwind is because she understands the work. Like, I went to college. I had to get extra five jobs. I had four jobs at the same time because I didn't want my parents to know that pledging made me lose my scholarship. So I still had to make this work out. And for me, like I had to step over drug deals and, and do this and, and survive with sometimes not food at night or sometimes not the proper resources, never had coaches, never had tutors, anything that cost money wasn't happening. So I'm like, we're going to give you all these resources. But at the same time, when you do that, a lot of times you create people who don't have that same hustle muscle. Right. So if you don't let them fail, sometimes they're not going to ever develop the, they're not going to understand that falling down doesn't mean you can't get up. Like you can fall down nine times as long as you get up 10. So, you know, I think every time my, my child has gotten really close to hitting his face on the ground, no matter how upset, how disappointed, how, whatever we've been, we've been in just in time to keep him from hitting his face on the ground. I, you know, and I'm, I'm going to stop and, and hopefully take some questions because I can go in a bunch of different directions, but I do want to hear from some of you all. But I, I think I've landed in a space where I'm like, I know that if you don't do this class, for example, we just had a graduation ceremony a week ago where he walked, but his little uh, booklet he opened up doesn't have anything in it. Why? Because he has work he needs to do. So on the surface, it looks like he's graduating, but we know he's got to finish a couple of things for, his, for it to be official. We've told him that, we've helped him, we've given tutors, we've done all this thing. But at this point, I'm like, you know, if you don't do this, you will not have a high school diploma, right? And, you know, Kelly is, I can't imagine a world where that happens. Neither could I, but I've gotten to a space right now where I understand that he has to own this, right? And I can, I can support him, I can be here. I'm still, I'm not, look, I'm here, I show up every day. You know, you need, you need me, I'm here. I show up every day, I, I go to work, I come home, I, you know, I, I attend events, I talk to teachers, I do everything I need to do as a parent, I set an example, but I can't make you walk the path that I, that I need, that I want you to walk in the inward normal world, this is what you should be doing, right, so all, all I can say is for the fathers and mothers that are here to, you know, obviously stick to your guns, continue to, to show up in your kid's life, continue to show examples, and, you know, try to talk to them when you can, but understand that don't ever have the conversation that I just talked my wife out of like, of saying like, I didn't do anything to deserve this or what did I do wrong, right? Versus how can I continue to show up? How can I, how can I continue to love my child through all of this, you know, as, as they say, as opposed to, you know, complaining about the weather, sometimes you got to dance in the rain. We've been dancing in the rain for, for a couple of years now and hopefully, hopefully it's going to be dry soon. So I'm going to stop for a second and see if we can, take some questions if anybody wants to ask any questions give me comments say amen or whatever okay so Keith thank you for sharing 
uh, being born and raised in Baltimore, I can really relate to what you shared. What I'd like to know as you and Kelly uh, journey through, is there ever a breaking point? You know, I, I sit back sometimes and I say to myself, I have two kids, one who is 26, my daughter and my son is going to be 20 in November. Mm -hmm. And I sit back and I say to myself, I have worked so hard. I worked my way out of the ghetto. Mm -hmm. I went to college. Mm -hmm. I pledged a sorority. Mm -hmm. I have done some things that I didn't even think I was capable of, all of which my mother really doesn't know, right? Because right. she right. wasn't that parent. Her right. goal for us was get a job at the post office and I'll be right. happy. That yeah. was it. Yeah. So what I will ask of you and Kelly as you continue through this journey, is there ever a breaking point? I know we will stand at my comment was we will stand in front of a fast moving train for our kids, but sometimes mm -hmm. our kids are the fast moving train. Yep. How do we get out of the way so we don't get hit, but right. yet still show up in love and um, acceptance? Listen, we're all human on top of all this. We're parents. We, we, we can read and, and claim to, to know everything. But again, this doesn't come with any instruction book. And we, I can attest to, um, you know, watching Kelly have a moment and Kelly can attest to watching me have a moment where we just lose it. Like just either in a way that we just have to just let it all go. Just, just, you know, go in a room and cry or where you have to just scream and yell and, you know, get your stuff out of there. And, and it's going to happen because you no, know, we're, we are all human and you're going to have moments like that. But what you have to do then is just be able to, to then be able to get it back together. Right. So I try to, I try to limit those because I'm, I'm like a, I'm like an iron in terms of how my emotions run. It takes me a while to really get heated up. So, you know, as, as opposed to snapping to a, a quick uh, moment where I just, you know, as, as my, uh, as my mom used to say, where I just zap out. I'm not going to just zap out on a, on a short, you know, and reacting to something really quickly. It takes a while to build up for me, but then, you know, that makes it worse because then it's a long simmering thing. But what I will say is, yes, we all human. You're going to have moments where you, you know, you're not, you're not in control of it. You, you got emotions too. And you're going to have, you're going to have to blow off some steam. Maybe that's, so if you feel that and you and you see it coming, maybe you find whatever you you find to to relax yourself. Maybe it's it's meditation. Maybe you got to go for a walk. Maybe you got to like, you know what? I got to leave for a minute. I'll be back. Sometimes you just got to walk away from it and, and then regroup and come back later, um, you know, sort of fortified. Somebody said something about radical acceptance. Radical acceptance is exactly what this is. You do what you do, you show up, you do the best you can do, you set an example, and then you work through it and figure it out. So that's that's the best advice I can give you. Keith, I do have a question. Yeah, go ahead. Um, with your younger son, mm -hmm. and I know you, you all have spoken a great deal about your older son. Mm -hmm. How do you, do you parent the two boys differently based on the challenges with your older son? And have you pivoted or change your course of parenting as you see what's going on with your older son versus your younger son. Yeah, that's a, um, that's definitely a delicate, um, you know, calculus of trying to parent differently. And it's, it's no, trust me, it is a struggle to not go to the. Um, I've seen this before, so this is how I'm going to react to this. And whenever I really find myself um, doing it in a way that's it's unfair, I try to catch it. Um, same, same thing with Kelly. 
is, you know, some things happen and you have to be careful too, because, you know, as you, as you go through this and, you know, again, us not knowing and not having an instruction book here, certain little signs that people warn you, it's like, Hey, just pay attention to the little things, pay attention to changes, pay attention to that. Some of those things are a result of just growing up and going into teenage years and, you know, all of those changes that normally happen, your personality change, your voice changes, the things you want to do change, all of those things. A lot of those normal things look abnormal after you've had a struggle with a previous child where you were saying, okay, I wish I had noticed at this time that this was happening. I wish, why didn't I know that, you know, he was, I don't know, sneaking out of the house to, to go smoke weed with whatever. Why didn't I understand or why didn't I see um, this stuff coming? Is because you can't predict it coming is, is, is the real answer to that. So, you know, if it's some obvious things, yeah, you, you definitely, you're a parent. You're supposed to be the, you know, you're supposed to be a parent. You're supposed to be an example. You're supposed to be the, the police. You're supposed to be an investigative force. So you have to do that. But at the same time, you have to be, definitely have to just keep an eye on it. And, you know, hopefully if you, if you are in a um, two-parent pa- two household, which, which is, you know, which is good, you can sort of check each other on it. Um, check in with each other and make sure that, you know, how you're reacting is uh, that the punishment is fitting the crime or that your reaction fit the actual person because two people in the same situation, same everything, and they will turn out totally differently. So we, we try to keep that in mind as we look at our, as our, at our kids. But key to this is you also have to look out for unspoken things, which is right now what Kelly is dealing with. Christopher is as much as he likes to say nothing's wrong, everybody needs everybody needs counseling except me. That's that's his thing. Why do I need counseling? I'm not doing anything. I don't have any issues. I'm not, you know, I'm not screaming at Kyle or I'm not Kyle. I'm not running out of the house. I'm not doing drugs. But, you know, as a as a younger teenager, he's trying to figure out life too. And he's trying to figure out how he can, you know, um, be heard. You know, we try to talk to them as much as we can. I would say that that's that's really key. Always talk to your kids, talk to them as much as you can, but talk to them sometimes without your normal inclination of trying to fix things. Just like, listen, listen, what do you talk? Get a conversation going, but do more listening than talking. Don't immediately jump in and your kids say something, you immediately jump in and try to fix it, but more so listening. And I, what we think he's he's currently dealing with is, not understanding or not knowing really how to deal with everything that's, that's sort of been happening over this past couple of years. And we are trying to figure out how we have conversations to really hear where he is and, and then also not react in ways that are 100% based on how our previous or well, how our older child reacted and, and behaved and make it try to still make it specific to him without ignoring any key um, you know, signs and, and um, changes that could be important. Hey, Keith, thank yeah. you for sharing. Yes, I really appreciate everything that you guys are doing. And, you know, obviously it's a long road. One of the things I'm interested in um, is you, you talked about listening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of as your kids are getting older, I, I assume that many struggle with the impatience of figuring out how to infuse them with as much information as you can get into their heads while they're there. 
Yep. But then you are not doing the listening. And for me, I end up going to a mathematical place like, you know, okay, so I need a ratio, you know, two thirds of the conversations need to be meaningful and one third can be whatever nonsense they want to talk about or whatever it is. And I'm just right. interested to hear how you're navigating that. Um, in particular, obviously, with your youngest, where you're trying to figure out, you know, how do I make sure that I'm hearing so that I know of signs or just so I can be supportive of what he's interested in versus how much do I feel like I need to infuse with the information? How are you navigating just dealing with those day-to-day -day interactions and conversations so you're not being like me and the one who's always trying to lecture and, <laughs> and infuse? You, you, you got you to you hear yourself, too. You know, you got you to gotta be in a space where you're you know, listen to the conversation from outside of yourself, which sounds crazy, but it really is. Sometimes I just hear myself saying something like, okay, keep the stop for a minute. Let them talk. This current iteration where, um, you know, just going through the radical acceptance and trying to um, be more um, of a outlet so that they can get some stuff out, and especially with my younger son, who, who clearly is internalizing a lot of things that we don't even, we're not even considering. And his journey, like his journey is, is unfairly being um, affected by all of this. Like he doesn't get to just have the normal journey of a, you know, 12 to 16 year old because he's dealing with all of the drama from, you know, what's going on with his older brother, which is a lot of times like an icy environment in the house. Like mom's in a bad mood because, you know, the older son has done something crazy. And then she doesn't, you know, she's not able to process it or manage. Like, I'm just going to go to bed. So, or I'm, I'm going to go somewhere and go for a ride or whatever that is. Or so same thing with me. But what that does is then take you out of his life too for that moment in time, right? So sometimes, you know, sometimes you, like I said, you have to take care of yourself so that you can show up in the proper way. So it's a balance of knowing when you can, you know, sort of step out, take care of yourself so you can come back and show up properly because sometimes just showing up, but showing up in a way that's not helpful is just as bad as not being there. So I try to, to figure it out and, you know, there's no rule book. You just got to keep showing up and try to be the best you can be. You can't control whatever other people are doing. You can just control how you show up in those situations. So that's sort of how, how I think about it. I have one quick question. What can we as wives do to help, you know, in this difficult time uh, for our husbands like you that show up? I was thinking about my husband in those boy, have you lost your mind moments where mm -hmm. I realized I may be the one encouraging and inviting his version of Baltimore Keith, which is not helpful mm -hmm. because I feel like the situation warrants it. So what are one or two things that we as wives can do to help you, our men, in those difficult situations? Mm, that's a good question. And I appreciate that. I mean, I have, listen, women, you don't, you don't know, you know, as a Black man and, and all of this stuff that comes with that and all of the societal um, expectations and then just the stuff that we deal with on a regular basis that we just have to deal with, right? Just like just driving home and not getting shot by the police, for example, for, you know, and I, I take, my, take my car, a nice car in the wrong neighborhood, I might not, you know, I might not come home, right? That's real. And then you take this, having the, this feeling of you have to be the protector and solve, and solve the problems of, of the family. Like you're the man here. Like, how can you let this happen? You don't understand the, what you guys have to understand is it's a heavy weight that comes along with it from our side of this is uh, a result of you're losing control or you're not having control of 
of the ship here. This is your, this, you haven't, you don't have control of the ship. Your son is wilding out. What are you going to do? Right? That can come across in, an, in a spoken way. It can come across in an unspoken way. As a woman, you may have to say, I, I can't believe you did that. And you can talk through this. I don't know what a real answer to that. I'll just say, just be careful and understand that there's a lot that, you know, with, especially with Black men, a lot of baggage is packed up in there from just our life experiences that you can easily have unpacked and not in a way that you want to. Because at the end of the day, most of us are upset or bothered or stressed because we want our kids to, we want the best for them. Kelly, uh, go ahead. Keith, you have been such, like, just so informative, inspirational, um, your transparency, everything. It's just been a, a real blessing to all of us. And we know that, you know, the struggle continues and we thank you for just being willing to, to walk us through it and give us some, some tips that have worked for you. So I'm gonna go ahead and close us out with prayer. We do appreciate everybody taking the time to join us and we look forward to seeing you next week as well. Lord, we come to you today giving thanks for all of the men in our children's lives. Black men have faced numerous challenges and obstacles throughout the years, yet you, O oh Lord, have created them with resilience, with strength, with brilliance, with savvy, and with wisdom. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Today, Lord, we firstly come to you on behalf of the Lawson family. You said, having done all, stand. We are standing right now asking for you to place your supernatural hand on their household. Kelly and Keith have stated, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So Lord, today we ask that you do a new thing, God, and intervene in such a way that the entire household is transformed. Transform it so that it doesn't look the same. It doesn't operate the same. So we lift up Keith and Kelly today, Lord. We ask that you cover them, be a fence around their household, around their children. Lord, you are our dwelling place. You are our shelter. Pour out your blessings and your love, oh God. And Lord, we thank you today. And may you add a blessing to the reading of your word. And we look forward to all of the testimonies of success in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Kelly. I'm Kelly Richardson Lawson, and you've been listening to the Sunrise Project podcast. You can follow Sunrise wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, open your podcast app and follow this show. Join us next week for another gathering of support. Thank you for listening. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental wellness challenges, contact your doctor, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or both. You can reach NAMI's helpline at 800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or email at info at NAMI.org. Volunteers are working to answer questions, offer support, and provide practical next steps. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. 
We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today.